Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I've got the lurgy. Do you? Indeterminate lurgy. Say more British things. That's wild. Indeterminate lurgy. <laughs> lurgy, yeah. You job lurgy. Like lethargy. No lurgy. It's like you're. Oh, I've got lurgy. Just like it's you're full of stuff. Lurgy. That's you can put that one right up there with the big light. These are ones that are. <laughs> oh my god. So far out of light. Americanisms. Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour. I'm Tommy. And I'm Jimmy. And this is the only musical theater podcast with Bud Lights. And opening nights. Here, we take apart your favorite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theater conversation. Jimmy, what you drinking today? Lamb sip. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bit of port? No, do you have, do you have lamb sip in the states? No, but we I could guess. That's great. Is it we have emergency? Do you have that? I think it's like airborne. Yeah, yeah, same like sort of dissolvable. Yeah, vitamin um, C shit. <laughs> yeah, with and it's got paracetamol in it. Yeah, so oh, it's yours? British, oh. therefore it counts. Ours is, yeah, ours is medicated. Yeah, ours is not uh, medicated. Um, for twenty. <laughs> You're this is gonna be a wild episode. <laughs> Oh dear. I'm sorry. Uh, read the quiz question. <laughs> okay. Ooh. The author of this musical that we are talking about today allegedly uh, likes pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, uh, a fact which I think has haunted him his entire career. Um, Tommy, what show did this author create? Do we? Hold, I gotta find a gavel. The mystery of Edwin Oh, Bill, <laughs> you're 
surprisingly enough, uh, that yeah, that doesn't get annoying. It, well, I've seen this done amateurly. Yeah, and I actually think some people who were in that listen to this. But hey, hey, <laughs> um, that that got annoying. I could I could see. I think I was I was telling my boyfriend this. I think this is a show that is fun to watch and much more fun to be in than it is to watch. Um, 100%. I would love to be in the show. I, I would. I would I'm, man, I'd be a great chairman. Um, <coughs> yeah, actually, you would. The, but I do think, like, I could see... I once saw a terrible production of... A terrible high school production of Noises Off. Um, oh, God. Which I found e- so much funnier than a good production. <laughs> Oh, really? like, oh man, and only because I knew the show really well. But like yeah. watching the things not go wrong that are supposed to go wrong. <laughs> Actually, yeah, there's something special about that. It's it's a really really special kind of comedy. Yeah, um, okay, that's, yeah, yeah, that's like, quite unique to noises off, I guess. Yeah, um, um, but I could see being trapped in a, a you know not or an overindulgent. Well, I don't know. Could this show be too indulgent? <laughs> Um, no, because it's 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 very um, is self-effacing the right word? Is that the one where you like make fun of yourself? Is sure, that, what that means make fun of yourself. Let's sure, go, let's go with that. <laughs> um, but it does that all the way through, so I don't think it's it, it can be. Yeah, self. It'd be very. I don't know. It'd be very weird. Yeah, if that was the result. Um, but it can also just be a lot. Yeah, it can be a lot. You to know take what I mean? If if it's very, you know, if if everyone is being melodramatic, absolutely. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. I do wonder but, if the show would swing in Denver because it does take a lot of like theatrical understanding, you know? Um, oh, I see what you mean. Right. And just because I find that Denver isn't quite as much of a theater going city as, say, Chicago is or New York mm. or London or something like that. Um, mm. And like it might, you know, some of the comedy might not just land. I don't know. I think yeah, some maybe some of like the stage jokes, but I think the general we've not even talked about what the hell it is yet, Tommy. Um, <laughs> the, the general I would say it's very accessible. That's true. Because it's silly. Yeah, it's in the silly. same way that I think anyone could see noises off and yeah. think it's the funniest thing that's ever existed. That's true. A lot of I forget that so much of it is just, you know, firmly sat in low humor, falling downstairs, right. slapsticky <sighs> sort of body stuff, which is always funny. It's a treat. Anyway, yeah. hey, what is it? Mystery of Edwin Drood. Uh, music, lyric, books, and orchestration by right. Rupert Holmes. A more than a hat trick. I wonder, like, because we say this a lot, right? We're yeah. Like, I don't think this has ever happened before. And then 9,000 people tell us the very long list of people that do this. Yeah. But, like... I found a write-up somewhere that said, often Rupert Holmes is quoted as being the at least the first, if not the only, to do all four. Um, yeah. And the this particular write-up said, as far as anyone can really tell in modern musical theater, that seems pretty true. But if yeah. you do look back to perhaps some of these musical-style things or early vaudeville stuff, that sort of right. thing was very common. Um, in the same way that like Shakespeare wrote and started in his play, like we we yeah, had yeah, yeah. Bef- pre-diversificating theater jobs. But for 1985, this is a huge deal. Right. A huge undertaking. Absolutely. Um, who did Comets Orchestrations? Oh, he did 
He did. Yeah, I do think there's more contemporary examples. I think we're seeing, you know, post in in like in, in new modern musical theater post 2010 maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We see more of like single author vision. Um but it is, you know, it is interesting to It's impressive. Yeah. Well, and we we talk so much about like there is this in the the romanticized musical theater ideal, there's supposed to be this authorial tension and you want collaborators. Son, you know, Sandy talks about this. Like you want yeah. people to pull you in the different directions and to tell you your ideas are stupid. Um and so I do, you know, to be able to do it successfully, I think uh-huh. both takes it takes a deep understanding of your own hubris and a willingness to like talk yourself out of stuff yeah i think so but it's interesting because like a lot of people who have done all three yeah or four the, the shows are very good yeah yeah I, you I, know what I mean yeah but maybe that's just uh they're very good because this person is very good at it right do you know what i mean i do like, i can't think of an example of a, a bad one well i so do maybe it's just uh i do also wonder like a lot of the triple threats they'll it's only one show even like Meredith Wilson, um, yeah. who uh, arguably has other shows, but like one successful show. And I often yeah. wonder if it has more to do with the success of the idea and less to do with the, like, you have a good idea that, you know, arrives in your head almost fully formed and all you have to do is translate it onto paper and mm. flesh it out. Um, whereas, like, you see people who are serial writers, you know, bounce between collaborators or have tried and true collaborators because that becomes their process. And then, yeah. you know, they find different successes that way. It is, it's an interesting, you know, because our art form's so collaborative. Exactly. Put it in the back of your mind, playwrights. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Try it. Yeah. Learn. Um, hey, this was performed in 1985. <laughs> yeah, it got its premiere at uh, Shakespeare in the Park in Central Park and transferred to Broadway in '85. Yeah. Won a ton of Tony Awards. Um, it did. Nominated. I mean, for... he won a ton of Tony Awards. Yeah. He just he was just told you were you're very good. You're very good. You're very year. good. Um, um, then made it to the West End 87, a tour mm-hmm. in 88, directed by Rob Marshall, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, two West End revivals, 07 and 12, and then the 2012 West End revival transferred to Broadway, basically. Yes. Um, and I saw it. Yeah? Did you like it? Yeah. It, it, was that my first Broadway? No, it was my second Broadway show. Um, I oh, you saw it. it. You saw it here. You saw it in New York. I saw it in New York, New York. My first public <laughs> show was Peter and Starcatcher. Okay. Uh, and then I saw this. This is my first public musical. Give it uh, that. What a title. great, what a great first show for you on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, I, I, because it, it, as, as well at the time, I didn't really know it beyond listening to it for the Tonys. Sure. You know what I mean, yeah. Um. So, yeah, I barely, barely knew it, and it was uh, a great time. And I will talk all about my experience later excellent we get into stephanie duke block um which will be a full segment (laughs) yeah we're actually starting a spin-off podcast the (laughs) the the block cast stephanie j talk Ooh, tm 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 copyright copyright it's ours it's ours (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry steph (laughs) i mean with the amount of podcasts that exist nowadays i wouldn't be surprised um hey well we've already talked quite a lot about it um but should we start doing it properly sure here we go the moon falls fools i fear the night disguises you bright as the eyes will burn me blinding me 
So, yeah, I think, like, I, I do just want to, like, give him a little bit of an applause because it's... I, I'm just very impressed because I, I personally think it's real solid. Oh, yes. Like, it's really, really solid yeah. in terms of a really entertaining night out at well, the theatre. Even, even just technically, like, I think um, the, you know you dive into the lyrics of some of these songs and it takes as many listens as, you know, perhaps something like Hamilton does just because it's so dense in some of its wordplay and, you know, creativity and metaphor. Um, Rupert Holmes knows what's up when it comes to songwriting, I think. He really, really does. I mean, obviously that's, that's how he started off. Um, and a lot of his, the pop songs that he wrote, um, are are quite narrative, Mm -hmm. which was obviously quite a trait, um in the 70s you know i mean these songs did get quite expansive and sort of ballady in terms of the traditional you know idea of a ballad right um and so you you could tell he had the skills uh, apparently um according to many interviews uh he had always kind of wanted to do musical theater but never really thought of it as an, an option sure yeah um and uh, it was this show in particular that he had in his head is like this would make a good musical just because you know the main character is very musical the, right co- the people sing songs in the in the book and that is always a good sign of something that yeah can translate quite naturally yeah um onto onto a stage well and that he, he you know kind of <laughs> i mean stumbled into is the wrong word because it's very intentional but found mm. this like very apt productive framing device around the whole thing totally. um, you know i'm so curious it the it's hard to tell if this is lore or truth but the 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 narrative goes that rupert holmes pitched this show to the producers of um shakespeare in the park solo like in a living room somewhere and like performed the whole thing just for them holding a script right which like of, of course, that's how this sort of thing gets pitched. But even just imagining that experience, you know, of, of it's not a staged reading. It's not rehearsed. Like, you're just going to describe your show and perform this very complicated, you know, even without some of the audience voting aspects um, show. Just in, like, even just performing the inner show, the actual mm-hmm. Edwin Drood stuff. Would be mm-hmm. is already wildly complicated. Yeah, and like then, it kind of works. Yeah, like in its j- own right. Yeah, like it could be you know, save for not having an ending, a, a mildly interesting Dickensian piece, right? Yeah, 
for um, sure. But to add on the other layer, you know, the additional layer of the music hall, then layer of the voting, and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And just to have that from inception, you know, it, it sounds like it was pitched and then only a couple weeks later it, it, it was in production. Absolutely. Um, and I guess like if, if you don't really know Druid or if you don't really know why it's oh, yeah. very unique in the, the music theater sphere, basically um, the, uh, Charles Dickens, who wrote the book, uh, uh, died whilst writing it. Yeah. Um, and there were no notes or, you know, anything as to what the ending may look like right um so it was just kind of left as yeah. a and it's an unfinished piece and it's one of the most delightful pieces to be left that way because it is <coughs> a mystery a murder mystery right exactly and, and so literally there is no ending and then the show itself frames like tells you this the the chairman comes out at the beginning and describes this whole thing to you and then says ladies and gentlemen by the end of the night you will decide who did in, who did indeed murder Edwin Drood. And the audience votes on that and several other things. And depending upon how they vote, that changes the ending of the show. Exactly. Every night, many yeah. different... I can't remember the exact number of different combinations, but um, the, the votes are you get to vote for who was the like secret detective mm-hmm. um, all along and uh, who was obviously the murderer um, and then who... Or the lovers. Yep. So like within that, something like eighty six or something different combinations that you could possibly get. Yeah. Um, All with different is... different songs, different you know verses, <sighs> different reactions, and like doing their very best to justify why this person you voted for did the thing you voted for them to do exactly exactly and they all yeah so it's not just like this is the murder song each person who could have murdered right has their own confession yeah um whether it makes sense or not that is interwoven into the story and it's just it's really really smart yeah and that it you know came out of one man's head i mean one man's head certainly in in his um forward in one of the published versions of the script he does talk about having you know plenty of inspiration and help um yeah but it was his idea for sure absolutely and it's it's something that really hasn't been replicated certainly not in a musical um yeah um i guess like we'll we'll talk a bit more about that specific side of it um in a bit uh but yeah do you want to talk about a bit bit more about um the the different changes between the original and the revival it's been really interesting to like try and unpack the history of this show usually you know jimmy and i will like it's really easy to be like oh look what are the new songs added in the contemporary revival because they need to give david hyde pierce a new song to sing because he's famous and he's going to come out at the beginning of act two and sing penny in my pocket and be like okay david um and because drood is such a puzzle pc kind of show there's you know, the original show was three and a half hours long and had 30-something songs, like the original drafts of it, and that have kind of yeah. flowed in and out of it. And because it is such a meta-theatrical piece, you can kind of just throw it around. Like, it has such a complicated revision journey. It puts it in the same caliber as Meet Me in St. Louis, mm-hmm. I would say. But where Meet <laughs> Me in St. Louis, they were trying to fix the thing. This one yes. is kind of just like, yeah, whatever. Like, even in uh, the the current licensable script, there's a ton of optional songs and like, yeah, you could do this one or not, or put it here even beyond the as written, you know, choose your own adventure style ones, but just elsewhere throughout the show. And so, 
you know, it's really even just looking at the two very publicly available uh, uh, cast recordings, the '85 one and then the revival 2012-2013 version. Mm-hmm. There's already tons of differences, and then even on top of that, like I found myself, you know, reading like, wait a minute, there's that song, and like googling and trying to find some amateur high school production, be like, oh my god, it's a whole nother song that I didn't even know you could include in this exactly. show. Like, exactly. like. Because the only time I can really think of that happening, certainly in terms of things that I've done, was um, with Into the Woods. Yeah, like, Woods Licensable is... Into the Woods has different directions and things like that. But again, not to the point where it like kind of allows you to change the story that you're telling. Yeah, it is. It does strike. Like I think this is one <laughs> of uh, uh, Holmes's most canny understandings of theater. Is mm. that and clearly it's reflected in in the fabric of this show but that every night it is different um and to just dive into that you know with your entire body um like there is the you know you read any licensing agreement for a production and it's like you will change no words in the script and you'll adhere to authorial intent and blah 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 rupert holmes wrote like seven pages of notes at the end of drew it's like you could do this or you could do that or maybe it's kind of like this i don't know it's yours good luck um and it's such a i find that such a wholesome understanding of how musical theater is um absolutely that like you can you have permission to make this one your own, which you don't have if you do even into the woods or you yeah. know Shrek or Mary Poppins or like those the authors have decided this is the way it must be, and if you go against that, we have people who will sue you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, so so far to say that there is a heavy metal version of Edwin Druid. <laughs> Uh, out there there was part i think it was performed in dc oh my god um and uh they there's a video of, i'll just put it in the show notes uh of some of the new arrangements that that they did um does it work it could work yeah it could there's some things that i personally so for example like um i think it's the rosa bud uh-huh. uh still sings in the kind of lyrical mm-hmm. operatic style yeah um but so so bit like moon uh, moonfall sounds like uh a big 80s like bonnie tyler style ballad yeah right and i was like oh it'd be so good actually if you just i mean to, to find someone that can like belt right IFs and, and just and do it like, like that, that. Like, yeah that's tricky but that would be really cool yeah um if you made it have that kind of vibe like, yeah that, that would be epic um but again, just as, as pure creativity, that's yeah. amazing. And there there was a really cool interview with um Robert Holmes from like just local press. Mm-hmm. Uh and he went to go see the show and Ugh. did a QA with them and was like, Yeah, I love it. Like this is I, I really like the fact that people I, I go out there and get creative and he kind of was like i wish people would do it more <laughs> like, that's so awesome know, which i love i think that's so it, like there's there's not really any writers who who have that level no of, in fact like, like say, is respect isn't yeah it? it's respect for the other theater creators out there and so many so many writers in fact go so you know so hard in the opposite direction i mean how many times has uh uh Samuel Beckett's estate like gone out and sued a college production of for doing like a female version of Waiting for Godot and changing nothing else. Like and how 
like how up your own ass do you have to be to think that you did it perfectly right and no one could possibly have anything at all to possibly add to improve your writing or make commentary on it like of course not like it's so antithetical to what live performance and theater is i always find it mind-boggling when you know the contract is so explicitly written like you will do it like this or else like Uh what you know that's not the point that's not why we make theater it's different every night i mean it just goes to show like like um obviously there's so many like broadway revivals and stuff that have changes in them and yeah you know it's like oh we want to tell this we look at the ivan van hove with oh, story right. right that's west side story that is right you know jerome robbins won't let you put a step out of line right obviously that is different now but um that was held in such high state and he gets to go in and, and tear it apart no high school or college would ever be given no that permission especially with a show that is you know contemporarily problematic right. like west side story yeah you know what i mean like if somebody went in to do like with the revival yeah we're like oh we really would love to write some spanish lyrics right for this right. show they it, would have been shot upon yeah if my high school went and did that we would get written up you know like and it it does beg the question why you know why why are we doing this then anyway like i i do understand as as an educator like there is certainly some some thing to be gained about like we're trying to imitate what the real life is and so we're gonna you know do hairspray and we're gonna you know do our best to make it just like the original thing and like Mm -hmm. as a tech director as a set designer i get this all the time like i want it to look like it did on broadway right i want you to build me that um which has a whole other slew of you know copyright problems and intellectual uh, uh uh property problems but like why why not do some why not do some new art why not build upon the thing why not you know cultivate and create a neighbor an environment a a world where that's the standard not the illegal thing exactly yeah it it is really bad because like this is it's literally a, a huge creative avenue and an educational environment for the most part right uh and you're not allowing people to be creative and learn. Like it's 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 weird. Right. It's, and it, it's really really weird. And like I I even try to like think through. Okay, like what what would a well-meaning playwright be worried about? Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe your work is used to promote something that you disagree with or whatever. Um, sure, valid. But like, I've seen plenty of amateur productions of things. I don't think you know whatever middle school doing legally blonde is like doing a super accurate job of recreating the themes and motifs that you very much intended in your broadway production right yeah like so who cares exactly well one of the reasons why (laughs) sorry to bring this up one of the reasons why so many people hate cats yeah is because they've seen an awful Amdram production of it. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so they're just like, this is trash. And it, well, actually, if you went to see it in the theatre, you might not have thought that because right. it's a huge spectacle. Like, yeah. it's, it's really, it's not trash. Right. Um, but yeah, I am like trying to get a high school to do that level of choreography, that level of production value. Right. Because that's obviously what they want it to look like. Right, exactly. They're never going to achieve that. No. Instead, like, what if you did a, like, let's just, you know, a, a, a staged reading of cats right in t-shirts Perfect. right 
be an interesting discussion. And it would be. And but the, you, the, the specter like, of Lloyd Webber would show up and start <coughs> throwing tomatoes at you. Like he absolutely would. But yeah. So yeah, I I, I say well done, River Holmes. Yeah. You know, big, you, big fan. Yeah, more authors should allow, should like be cognizant of that. It's that is fucking theater. It's theater. <laughs> it's theater. It's such a stupid thing to say, but you know, having experienced it, a lot of I'm. You'll be surprised, Jimmy, but I think a lot of theater makers do have their heads up their own asses. I'm stunned. <laughs> I'm full, 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 full stunned. Um, yeah, no, well done. Uh, Mr. Holmes, good guy. Shall we talk about what what a great job he did with the framing, and you know, get into the actual structure of this giant puzzle bound yeah, in the puzzle. pages? Let, I love puzzles. Yeah, let's do a puzzle. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Yeah, because it's crazy. The whole, I mean, if Jimmy and I have been trading back and forth trying to find different published versions of this script, um, because, you know, how on earth from text to stage do you make this thing happen, right? Exactly. It's such a mess. <laughs> yeah, because that, like, that's the thing is, like, if you're a scriptwriter, script writer, particularly for theater, um, oftentimes you're so much more prescriptive right. with your language and, and how you're writing your text yeah um whether you go full um arthur miller and describe right. the, the smell of the wind yeah the day. the holy um, candles on the altar of laura's face were <laughs> snuffed out right um, exactly yeah um or you can be a bit more free i guess right but with something like this which is so technically challenging yeah like just very very challenging and as well like if you are an amateur company yeah who isn't maybe not necessarily used to improv right you, you need that handholding you need that guiding yeah um and it, for the most part certainly yeah. in the, the new one is there yeah it does a pretty good job of walking you through here are the options here's where you go here's how to get from this to this here's what to do when this happens um and it does you know one of the delightful things about I think the success of framing it in a music hall is like, ah, whatever, you know, like um, if, you know, if the, if whoever was like, and the murderer tonight is so-and-so and and that was wrong. Like Mm -hmm. they said the wrong word. They'd be like, oh, no, 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 sorry, not you. You, right. It's totally in world, totally keeps going. could be a joke. Like. Absolutely. Like, like that wouldn't be out of place within the whole context. And I think that's, again, like that's one of the things that, why I think it's so intelligently written. Yeah. Because I don't doubt that that was an intentional framing device. You know, yeah. I mean, he didn't have to 
set it with actors putting on a musical right he didn't have to do that um, yeah and that was very much a choice and it's, it's just served him in so many ways yeah but at the same time throws up a lot more obstacles because you then need to get your audience on side from the get-go right yeah you gotta um, you know t- let them know what's happening build it up and of course they do like the the construction that like you know, you applaud for characters when they arrive on stage, when they're introduced, when they finish their song. Um, it is, I do find it interesting because there are inconsistencies in the world building. And it's interesting mm-hmm. when you run into those. Like there is, so for example, the big one, I think um, uh, Alice Nutting, the actress who plays Drood, and then mm-hmm. um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Dick Datchery for the beginning of Act Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, quits in a huff after she's voted to, you know, not be alive anymore, basically. Um, but as an actress and, like, storms off, it's very funny and definitely plays into Holmes's idea of, like, enjoying when things go wrong. And this is a yeah. scripted moment of when something goes wrong. But then, also scripted in the show, spoiler alert, is that Edwin Drood is alive. And so this actress, who you very visibly watched quit earlier... And walks out of you know you know back through the audience arrives back on stage to reprise her role at the very end, um, or even uh, during um, uh, both sides of the coin, um, the fact that the chairman is subbing in for whatever uh, the mayor or whatever character he's supposed to be playing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, is singing this duet with John Jasper, both about how they have this kind. John Jasper in the show has this split personality thing, whereas the chairman like out of the show has this split personality thing and not a lot of the other songs are framed as like let's just sing this song save for um uh bazard song is that his name yeah yes Uh um but like so you start with the chairman doing this accidental substitute in but then having what has to be a very well rehearsed song this super high paced patter song you know, it is interesting that like I re- I very much enjoy that we have the world has these bounds and we can play with them and it doesn't have to be a big deal. No one's like no one's standing up in the back and be like, wait a minute, Drood can't be back. You know, mm-hmm. who cares? It's all who cares? It's, exactly, and you, thank God that she comes back because it's definitely fucking well. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, it is like I think it's and it's just quite fun as well the way that they dance and play in that world, like. Um, I remember like literally splitting up with laughter when um, they queue off to the races mm-hmm. just because it's like it's the song that we always sing in right. every show that we do. Gotta and sing they it. Just it by saying like we must. I guess we better go off to the races. Might as oh, well. What a fantastic yeah. cue. You know yeah. what I mean? And like it is really funny that that kind of just self-referential. Oh, it's so funny. Um, or way. like even. So good. And I w- I want to talk more about uh, don't quit while you're ahead. Maybe in mm-hmm. a minute, but like the fact that during the encore of Don't Quit While You're Ahead is where, like, the strings fall off the violin, everyone comes to the grinding a grinding halt, the chairman takes his hat off and says, ladies and gentlemen, it is at this moment where Charles Dickens laid down his pen for the final time. Like, no, it isn't. <laughs> exactly. exactly. He didn't lay not. down his pen and he was like, and then during the encore in the kick line, pen right. trails off the page, right? But it's still just so, it's so great and you're so along for the ride. And I think, like, that is why the um the voting mm-hmm. works like is because they set up all of these this silliness and yeah. this like 
we're we're here for you like because that's what i i think there you are is such a incredible opening number it's so good it just and, and not even necessarily in terms of content i think it's, it is really good yeah but just in terms of what it is yeah um and the framing of it and he he talks about this quite a lot but just how a lot of opening numbers in shows are like you are here right like welcome to my world yeah whereas this is very much like it's like oh hello yeah like thank you for coming like this is such a nice yeah and it's all opening basically it's all (laughs) framed it's delightful reading the stage directions about it where it's like yeah you know the house lights don't blink there's no chime people just you know the actors start walking in in um in one of the uh introductions the the whole first stage direction is even written in first person um Mm -hmm. which i very much enjoy hold on let me see if i can find it Mm. um uh, just as we have made some progress with our playbill and even more successfully progressed through our second glass of Hawk, we are distracted by a rather beery voice next to us in the aisle. It's Nick Cricker himself. Odd that he would venture out into the audience before the show. He greets us with a few jests that have long lain in the public domain and is now saying something about a determining the outcome of this evening's performance. Man must be drunk. Voting, he's going on about. And as we try to decipher his words, another voice commences to hawk salutations like a monger of jellied eels. It's Moncrief. Thought the man had more dignity than that. He's addressing another section of the audience, apparently about the same matter that Cricker's going on about. Suddenly, a loud cry of Drood emanates from the residents of the cheaper seats. Sounds like Grinstead and his new, the new fellow leading the huzzah. Like, no one writes stage directions like this. Absolutely. That's beautiful. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. No. But again, it really helps because there's nothing worse. We've all been in that position where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, so you're going to start out in the audience and just right. like mingle, yeah. just like make, talk to people, like, you know, have yeah. fun. It's the biggest nightmare, particularly if you are not an improviser. Oh, yeah. Like, that is just the worst yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and to kind of give you that slight handhold there of just like, this is the fun that you can yeah. have with and it. And this is you know what, what I mean? it should feel like. This is what exactly. you, and like, it speaks to Holmes' understanding that like the show starts the moment you start thinking about the show. Um, and even like, I think the other thing, and this is what I love about Don't Quit While You're Ahead and There You Are, and is, mm-hmm. I can't find the best descriptor for it. I've been trying to talk around this. Uh, the I made my boyfriend watch some of the clips. Um and I'm trying to describe this thing I like about it and I don't have the right words. Maybe you can help me. One uh-huh. of the things I love about There You Are is it is, you know, it's a double entendre, not in a sexual way. It's, you know, Bob's your uncle. There you are, right? It's, you know, this thing happens, that thing happens, and there you are, right? It's just an idiom and a saying of like, and that's what happens. But it is also, uh-huh. as you said, hey, look, you're here in this theater. There you are over there, and there you are over there. And like, uh-huh. that's really... It's funny to me, not haha funny, but like I find it very ticklish. Um, yeah, it's tittery. And then the other one that I love, and I wish, you know, I want Don't Quit While You're Ahead to do it just a little more. They play into it with the encore, but like it starts just with Puffer on stage. And like uh-huh. already, already the joke is funny because the idiom isn't Don't Quit While You're Ahead, the idiom is Quit While You're Ahead. Right, and like exactly. it's already framed as like be an idiot, spend your money, you might win more. Um, but the whole structure, like from the music to the conceit of the song, is like Puffer sings a verse, and then the music goes bum 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 bum, and then two more people walk on stage, yeah. and then they sing a verse, and then they go bum 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 bum, and two more people walk on stage. And like I wish, 
I don't know. I wish the music just took a little more pause there. Like it might be done. It might be done. Here's another one. Still right, more to I do. See what you mean. Right. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And they do do that with the encore because of course this song needs an encore. This song needs like six encores. You know, don't quit while you're ahead. <laughs> one it's more right. time. It's, absolutely. And like, um, it's so funny to me. <laughs> yeah. Again, it just it feeds into that like silly self-referential yeah nonsense um and i think like it just it 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 creates like a cool kind of magical chemistry yeah um for that show that is then utilized really really well in the voting because yeah it like it, it, yeah it's because i remember so obviously from um when i saw it mm-hmm we had what well, I think must be the most common yeah. outcome. Who who won? Um so uh Datchery was Bazard. Okay. Um because everyone feels sorry for him. Right. And <laughs> you want to give right. him another song. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um the murder was Rosa mm-hmm. because it's kind of the most Yeah. Which is the, fun. It's like the most changing character, do you yeah. know what I mean? Um and then the lovers were the Dandlesses. Okay. Because incest. Right. Of course. Funny. Yeah, that that funny. does mean you missed out. I don't know which version it's in, but uh, Bazard has a line, if he's not Datchery, when he's like pitching himself as a voter. Um, uh-huh. I forget exactly what it is. Because it's all like, how? It's, why would it be him? He doesn't. He's such a tiny goddamn character who cares right, exactly he doesn't even yeah. do anything um but he has he like goes a little crazy i says and who knows i just might sing again <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's great it's so stupid and so funny yeah um but what i i don't know i just i'm addicted to the fact that like the actors like in the fact that it can change so like the actors are kind of like selling themselves oh yeah i mean like it's like because you know that way in a show like if you if you see it say three nights in a row Mm -hmm. just depending on the different subtle choices that actor makes Mm -hmm. can completely change oh yeah that's the way the audience thinks that is the number one thing my mom loves about high school theater um and like any uh, you know when i was in stuff she'd be like i'm gonna come wednesday thursday friday saturday saturday and right. <laughs> the topic of discussion when i got home be like oh my gosh did you see so and so almost tripped in that it was why i what a delightful you know the thing she loved was the where's waldo of it all to Absolutely. like find the subtle difference but and i just i just love the fact though like and i don't know if this did happen because i've not heard any of them ever say this but like i love the idea that say bazaar's having an off night right or he's like i i can't really be bothered or like i'm a bit tired or i want to get out earlier yeah like he then just like holds back a little bit right doesn't sell himself like, as much you know what i mean exactly yeah. and then but you know oh, it's been a while since uh jesse mueller's had a shot so, right so we're know, gonna go really for her for yeah exactly or just like depending on who's in that night because i remember um uh, Will Chase mm-hmm. uh, talked about this in an, an interview where his kids were in. Uh-huh. And so they've seen it, I think, like 13 or so times uh-huh. um, and they've seen lots of different things. But one of the things they, they never saw, they'd never seen the Reverend uh, do his uh-huh. um, confession. Uh-huh. Uh, and so they basically were just like, because they got to help 
will to like, count do the, the voting stuff. And, yeah. uh, um, and so they were just like campaigning with just like, like, right, like, like, number so four they, number so four he yeah. went on and, and did it which yeah. is, is so good because like I don't think I imagine uh, you know because that's I would love to see the stats like I would love to see I would the love stats. to see yeah I want a bar um, chart like but I don't doubt that Chris Barker would be really down the bottom just because he's like secondary character that isn't necessarily the funniest right it's not such a um, funny choice it's also not a really like convincing choice either yeah exactly exactly so um i imagine he wouldn't get to do it so i just love that these kids made that happen and then they got to do it you know what I mean? it's just yeah. there's so much there's so much to it yeah. there's so many ways that it can be pulled and yeah just as an actor as a director it's just so fun. It must like, be so fun. Playground. Yeah. Well, and I do love, and I think maybe the thing we're underselling about this show too is like, for all of its meta theatricality and how much it can like step outside itself and you know, <coughs> really mess around and play around with it, it also turns into a serious play every once in a while. Like, yeah. you know, in uh, no good from, can come from bad. <laughs> is tense and absolutely you, like you know drood's gonna get murdered and so you're like what it's the parlor dinner scene you're watching what's happening and who's doing what or like even how you know beautiful moonfall is or even like perfect strangers so like yeah, yeah, yeah. all of these like in world play songs or the whole like opium ballet um is just you're you're sucked into it and the fact that this show can like you know, gank you back and forth between these two worlds without you getting too much whiplash mm-hmm. is is just delightful. It is. And the fact that it wasn't written by an experienced book writer. I know. It's like, just delightful. I just think it's incredible. I like, mean, I wonder if that's part of it too. And, you know, this is always the problem of making overarching assumptions of our admittedly very tiny art form. But, like, yeah. being you know, as Holmes is somewhat of an outsider, you're not stuck in concepts of what musical theater is, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, it's such... I I then go back on that, because the whole thing is a love letter to a musical. To, it's a musical, yeah. Right? But then it's, it's not... And uh, I think he does know his stuff. Yeah. Maybe he's just created, because he's not come from a, a theatre background, you know, I mean, that wasn't how he started. He didn't set right. into the world wanting to be yeah. a musical theatre composer. Right. And maybe just having that way in allows you to be, to tackle it a bit differently. Yeah. In a similar way that, um, I guess, like, contemporary example, like, a similar way that Sarah Bareilles mm-hmm. came out the score with Waitress. Like, it does have a very fresh yeah. sound for yeah. the most part. Yeah. Um, and that's because she isn't directly embedded yeah. in the musical theater composing scene. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't have that, yeah. you know, contemporary Broadway sounds. It It is there. I was, because there's nothing to do these days and I was watching a whole bunch of, um, you know, YouTube documentary think pieces um, mm-hmm. as I do. And there's a statement in one of them that I loved about animation Um it was some interview with someone who I didn't recognize, so my apologies. Uh, the whole thing was about Ratatouille. Um, but the, oh, okay. It was very cool. The, the framing quote was, I'm sick of people calling animation a genre. Animation is an art form, mm. but not necessarily a genre. And mm-hmm. animation can contain any kind of genre. 
you can make a Western animation, you can make a soap opera animation, you can make a mystery animation. And I do think, and I think we fall into this trap too, that musical theater is an art form and not a genre. Um, yeah. Or, or maybe, like straddles it in an interesting way. But no, it does. I, I think it is, yeah, completely. It, it does speak to that. The, the only reason I hedged that a bit is because this show portrays an English music hall as a genre, not as an art form, yeah. you know? Um, and there are parodies of musical theater that do successfully paint it as a genre, not mm. as an art form. Between, mm. you know, well, you, you pull out the spangles and the kick lines and the top hats, and it becomes a genre again, not an art right. form. So it, there, there's an interesting relationship there that this show, and a lot of other shows, but this show especially plays with and, like, takes advantage of, how it goes back yeah, and forth. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Between genre and art form. yeah. That is quite interesting. I guess, like, that almost plays on the, like, when it gets to the genre factor, like, is that genre created out of stereotype? Right. Is you know it... what I mean? Is that the the source of that? Or is that literally the yeah the kind of, um, what do you call that thing that spins? Centrifuged. Yeah. Pellet of musical theater exactly when it is and kick lines. exactly it's the, it's the same thing uh uh we were kind of talking about in maybe it was a, a strange loop it was either last time or joseph um mm-hmm. but that this kind of like manufactured nostalgia um you yeah. know like this fake nostalgia and it's all over this show like this is like no one knows what a music hall is these days Right. You know, no one's been to one. You might have touchstones for it. You might accept it as something is truth. But you don't know that this is what it was like. But I this show convinces you that you remember what it was like. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, the thing that kind of obviously baffles me, obviously being British, mm-hmm. is so much of it is like steeped in like pantomime as sure. well. And just the fact of having like your um, primary boy, mm-hmm. like being, being a pants a, role. A female. Yeah. yeah. Um, like that isn't the core of US theatre. Do you right. know what I mean? That isn't how US theatre began. That's very much how UK theatre began. Yeah. But a US audience looks at that and gets it. Yeah. And I th- and I do think it is because it does it because it feels separate. And that does, you know, that's the part that, that takes you by surprise and kind of opens up that doorway for you to go on that journey tonight. Like if the show started with, you know, House lights down, drum roll, spotlight up on stage on chairman. Mm-hmm. I think it would be less successful. Um, For you know, sure. they're not they're not using the entire theater as the setting for the piece. They're using yeah. they're falling into our uh, accepted contrivance of the stage and the proscenium and the fourth wall yeah. being gone. Um, but because you know I'm uh, sitting in the lap of a most engaging chap somewhere in the aisle now everyone's in on the show exactly and is it a show or is it just a game right like that's the the delightful question of the evening how much of this is planned does my vote count you know yes yeah exactly the answer is yes yeah and it it is that's also quite an interesting one because you like i could have told you who was going to win Mm -hmm. that night yeah just based on literally 
the volume of a plot of a pause and like yeah. who's getting the most laughs who is you know what i mean who is it that night that is kind of winning yeah um and i think that is is so cool that it is like like it is created by an atmosphere yeah um i think that's it's just so fun it's so fun it, this must be such a fun show to be a part of i do oh, I think, think so in kind of a different tone, but we talk about, you know, those God spells, those Pippins, the shows mm. where companies become something greater Tribalist. than themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I do think kind of with a different flavor, but the same idea, this is one of those shows as well. I would imagine. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised either. Just because like, you know, that way, like, especially with anything improv, mm -hmm. uh, the trust that you need. Yeah. You got to trust everyone. Is, is so, so strong. So, that just that kind of internal bond that you have to have with with every player um yeah i can see that 100 percent being being the case um with this one which is nice isn't it yeah it's nice when you can when you find those shows and it is you know i think perhaps as we talked at the very very beginning what is delightful about this one is it is so self-indulgent that the question is where is the upper limit to the self-indulgence and there might not be one maybe but it's way up there, you know, yeah. on, a, on a show that capitalizes on mugging for the audience. How exactly. as long as it's funny, you could keep on mugging. That's it. Keep on mugging. <laughs> That's the song. Is it really? Well, keep on, keep on running. Keep on trucking. It's not keep on keep mugging. On it's, not a, it's not a recruiting yeah, song running. for um, miscreants. Uh, no, it's not. But keep on mugging. I don't know. I feel that could be a good U YouTube parody. Isn't that a song cut from Oliver? Keep on mugging. I guess they're they're pickpockets, not muggers. Yeah. Cool. Plants cut like blade to bone. The daggers drawn like lead at you. There at you, who dare presume to stare at who might make my wife and share my life? I see you dead before sweet rose are wet. Feet wait sneer. I fear it. We are friends, and yet they'll not soon forget. Hearing every threat, every epithet. In younger days, I hungered for another Rosa's mother. After Rosa's birth, she left this earth. Now dust is all I'm worth. So long a time they thought that I'm addressed in dull, quite naive. But I perceive these boys, this noise, more frightening than they might conceive. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So, hey. It's not perfect. No. <laughs> well, it's a shape. It's tricky. It's, it's so... It, it's such a... It's such a fucking shame. 
<laughs> yeah, it's disappointing. But yeah. then also, like, not without hope. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um... Yeah, to... hope remains while the company is true. Yeah. <laughs> Lord of the out. Rings. Get out of here. Um, two characters in the show. Uh, the, the, the characters in the interplay, Helena Landis and Neville Landis, siblings, yeah. um, are f- from... Uh, what's it called? Ceylon. Yeah, which is Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka. which is colonized Sri Lanka. Um, you know, s- s- South Indian. Um, yeah. And uh, as you would imagine, uh, productions don't have the best track record of dealing with this role. Mm-hmm. Um, the 2012-2013 revival put... Who was it? Um, and Andy, Jesse Mueller and Andy Carl. Jesse Mueller and Andy Carl in brownface. Um, yes. To the point where even recently when I, because like, you know, I'm just, I hadn't been thinking about these things the first time I listened through to the show. Um, and I'm bad with actor names. Um, and I had this thought doing research. This one was like, Andy Carl's in this? Who does he play? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. Um, which is a bad sign. <laughs> it's, it's a bad sign. Yeah. Um, and there is a lot of, we'll put some links in the show notes, like, uh, uh, roundabout theater roundabout. Yeah. Um, was called out for this in its own time. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in a way that would have been bigger news in 2020 than perhaps it was in 2013, which of course speaks to the ongoing, uh, 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 blindness and racism problems of Broadway and the theater community at large. absolutely absolutely and i think like i've seen people make really really good points that you know where these uh african-american or afro-caribbean or just black characters Mm -hmm. they would there would be no question that that would ever be performed in blackface right yeah so why is it yeah fine for it to be done in brown face yeah and it is like it's not it's not wrinkly but the counter argument is that this is not a, you know, because of the meta theatrical nature of this piece, right. these are performers in a late 1800s music hall performing these roles. And, and it's, yeah. it's frustrating because Holmes writes in, there's a whole uh, uh, page of notes about it in the current script about how this is how it would be performed, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating because he's he's not wrong in his historical assessment of this piece. Yes. But musical theater, <laughs> like, we're not aiming for historical accuracy here. No, not at all. Not at all. And it, the whole thing is a, a parody. The whole thing is a, right. a melod- melodramatic pastiche yeah, exactly. musical. Yeah. Um, that isn't, you know, people aren't in it for the you know historical right. accuracy exactly not at all no in in, um, in the same way that like i think nowadays to your comparison you'd have to push pretty hard to argue for a contemporary portrayal of blackface on stage right i mean it just would never be allowed it would never be allowed even if we're talking about something that is absolutely historically accurate you right. know and like exactly. it, it, people are so much quicker to be like, oh yeah, no, no, no. So again, you know, you get the the model minority yellow face, brown face problem yeah. um, of Asian portrayal on Broadway, which we've seen in, in a bunch of stuff. And I think, you know, 
you wrote this in, but it's especially disappointing because of the potential power that these roles have in the context of the play. Absolutely. Like, it, yeah, that's the thing is, um, out of nowhere. So the song, um, A British Subject, like it's, that's the thing is like, it, that's why it's so disappointing with the revival because you can tell it's playing on their mind. Right. right? You can tell they're thinking. Yeah, because they it. added, so in the in the original, they had a, a song called, I say it wrong, what, Ceylon? Ceylon. Ceylon. Um, yeah. Just that song. And then they re-added in the song, A British Subject for the revival, which was originally part, but was not in did not make the original production. The, the original Broadway, yeah. Um, and Ceylon was just more, kind of more extended and just kind of filled with, let's name places from South Asia. Right. Oh, um, how how exotic, how different, blah, blah, right, blah. Right, right, exactly. Whereas what's so disappointing with a British subject is it's like a commentary on co- colonialism yeah. in, you know, the 19th century. Yeah. Like it's... Which also then has like weird, interesting connotations with immigration nowadays. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's these really quite nuanced notes in it. Yeah. But it's kind of all thrown to shit when the characters performing it are white. Right. Yeah. Like you totally shit on your, you know, it's the same problem we kind of get with um, uh, Millie nowadays. Is like, yes. Millie is so close to being this interesting commentary on racism of the time. Yes. But it doesn't make it. <laughs> and Not at all. It, because of the performative nature of this and the way some of this stuff is framed, instead it becomes somehow worse. Yeah. Like, and you, I, I, I you'd be better off not trying. Like, yeah, you're going so close. So you're aware. That's that thing. It's like you have the awareness. You right. know there's, this isn't right. Right. So therefore. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because like, I've read a few things now, um, and again, like we'll, we'll link a couple of articles and things of, of people um, who are South Asian and big music theatre fans, sometimes big fans of Drood itself. Yeah. Um, just talking about the fact, like, it, you don't need to do it. <laughs> right. There's nothing, there's nothing in the show. And, and in fact, even in the script, um, in the recent um, producible version mm-hmm. of it, um, they've taken out, like, the one line that Neville Landless says about the colour of his skin. Right. Um, to allow you to have white actors being white, being if white, that's the which circumstances which, of your, you know, absolutely, casting. and and if we're talking about like maintaining historical accuracy, also is an entirely plausible explanation of these two characters in the time that Dickens is writing, right? Yes. Like, you're you're you know, it's so entrenched in this idea that they can't see the forest for the trees. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's so, uh, yeah, like nothing nothing would be detracted for sure if it was just, to, you know, another two white characters on stage. Right. But also it would be in a way quite good yeah. if they gave the opportunity for South Asian actors yeah. to play South Asian people. What a, what a, a crazy when, idea. Yeah. Right, exactly. But also just in a very interesting time when it was to be. Right south asian yeah because of colonialism yeah absolutely there's no musicals about that right and it it Um, is the as a a british subject you know lays out like they're grappling with this stuff in in the show like it's it's in context and to then blow straight past it when you know Holmes is on record saying like, "Yeah, it's not Dickens, it's this, whatever." Right? Why is this the thing? Exactly, exactly, exactly. There's, there's no excuse for it. There just really isn't. And I think like, is the fact is twenty twelve. Like it's, 
It's I know. crazy that that. But then I guess the, the thing that always baffles me is that like, well, we just had Aladdin, we, right? <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. Show me all the South Asian uh, actors there. Exactly, and like Aladdin, you know? especially Disney Aladdin, which is always this like weird kind of middle eastern americanized pastiche of this fantasy bullshit like you know it's already problematic from its inception you know it's just it's frustrating it is and it's especially frustrating given how you know how much we praise rupert holmes at the beginning of this and like him being okay with the adaptability and the flexibility of some of this like yeah but then this is the one that stuck around like (laughs) Yeah, I find it. I find it quite interesting. Like, uh, obviously, we don't know the conversations that happen sure. behind closed doors, of and course. you know, he didn't cast it, right? Yeah, and he didn't direct it. Yeah. Um, was it the the fact that you know the director was like, no, this is how I want yeah. this to be done because X, or was it like, you know, we need big names, Jesse Mueller, very up and coming, Andy Carl, very very up and coming. Yeah, you know, like let's get these guys in as our supporting roles. Right. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Like, it, it, sure, because I don't think there's a South Asian equivalent. Right. Right. Not in a story. Not in a casting director's mind at the time, certainly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, so I can see that being the thing, but it's a shame that I've never seen him talk about it as a problem. Yeah. That's, that's the frustrating thing. And I do think, you know, in this, uh, as as we enter a a post George Floyd era, um, mm-hmm. the theater community does seem very much to be moving towards a if you see something say something model, so. which is much yeah. better than it's been. Um, yeah. Because certainly, you know, interproducer cast casting politics, like there's a world where there might have been plenty of people who saw problems with this who didn't speak up for fear of their careers or whatever and Mm -hmm. you know we're now and landing on a place where like that's not an acceptable place to be in anymore exactly Um, which is a great sign of the times it is frustrating to see you know what this was seven years ago not that long ago right exactly and aladdin was even i know closer than that so um yeah so uh, you know the next production of druid that comes on yeah you know, if you're doing it in your high school, like I think, I don't know. I guess I wonder what your what your opinion on this is, and it's because mm-hmm. it's such so mired in a history. Like, I have changed my opinion on all white schools producing um, once on this island in the past couple months. All um, right, okay. I don't think they should anymore. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Which I've I would have argued the exact opposite, and very well may have um, mm-hmm. in the past. This one is. I don't know. I, I'm more curious about it, too, because it's a popular high school show, for sure. Um, yeah. And high school theater departments, you know, for worse, absolutely run white, um, which is yeah. a huge problem in this country. Well, um, it's interesting, because I was quite fortunate um, in my high school that it was uh, very diverse, very multicultural, and mm-hmm. even within our theater department as well, yeah. um, which is great. Uh, so, like, I, I don't think that our director mm-hmm. would have ever put white people in brown face. Right. Because we have plenty of right. uh, actors of Asian descent. You've got a casting pool. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and that it would be ridiculous. Like that would be ridiculous. That right. would be flat yeah. out offensive because yeah. you've got, you know, I mean, it's that thing. It's like, well, you've 
got people there yeah why aren't you putting them yeah. in the spotlight um I, I think that the scenario I want to present, because this is a show where you, you could conceivably ha mm -hmm. have both options, right? Mm -hmm. You cast white characters in this role, and with the, the appropriate sensitivity, right. probably be just fine. I, because of the landscape of you know high school and amateur theater and casting pools and things like that, you know, picture this. You want to do Edwin Drood. Mm -hmm. um, you've got two appropriately castable South Asian actors who are auditioning, right? Yeah. Can Are you pre-casting them in these roles, or could you make one of them Jasper, right? And, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I, the, the, the obvious right, correct answer is yes. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I see so many, I, yeah, I see this all the time in, you know, my peers who I know who work in high schools and my experience with high school theater across the country. Like you, I, I saw high school do Millie cause they knew they had two vaguely Asian characters who could play right. the two Asian characters. Yeah. Um, and like it's, it's tokenizing. It is, you know, somewhat dehumanizing. It perpetuates the continual problem with these things, you know, yeah, and I don't doubt that it's so frustrating for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to play the Asian character. God right. damn it. Right. You know, why can't I play the other role? Um, yeah. you know, like I, I, I don't see, and maybe I'm not looking in the right places, but like, I don't know where else to look. Every, every high school that's not happening right now is doing some diversity and inclusion zoom workshop mm -hmm. right now. And these aren't conversations that are happening, that which having, is frustrating yeah. because it's the national discourse right now. Absolutely. And like, we got to yeah, look at right. it. It's, 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 again, it's such a gift that amateur, um, groups have, mm -hmm. um, and that they don't need to work with casting directors who are thinking about clout. Right. Um, I think it's like when manuel goes on record a lot saying like, where in the world could like a young skinny Latin American boy play Tevye? Right. You know what I mean? Like that's the yeah. joy of, of having these opportunities when right. you're in yeah. high school or yeah. amateur dramatics yeah. companies. But w um, flipped, flipped on its head, we still find problems. I mean, the, the contemporary hairspray drama of the the script previously having uh provisions in it for non-black yes. actors to portray the black characters and just got removed because that's hugely problematic I, of course it is you know this is it's a minefield um yeah. and i'm i'm happy that i i think everyone's reckoning with it now um yeah. i'm i'm sad that it you know I remember feeling uncomfortable when I student taught and they cast the two Asian kids in Millie. Um, right. But I'm not going to speak up to my cooperating teacher, right? Exactly. Yeah. You have to be complicit in these things. And, you know, the same way that um, I don't doubt there were people in that cast who did not feel comfortable. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, 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 again, you, they wouldn't say, well, they might say, I don't know, um, against it, but how comfortable would oh Jason yeah Mueller feel putting on a really thick indeterminate south asian accent i like, know and and like at what point should jesse Mueller say no precisely because right? she wasn't jesse Mueller at that point right exactly you know i mean she beautiful needed... hadn't happened yep yeah and i'm not saying i'm not saying like so you know jesse like therefore she's a demon and she sold out like right. absolutely not but it, it, it just I, I mean i guess it just shows you like i can't see her standing by that happening now right and it's it's how much of a reckoning 
it's how deep this shit goes, right? Yeah. And how ingrained it all is, all the yeah. way back to Charles Dickens, right? And right. The, the show shows that. Um, and why it, it, you know, it is a huge unpacking. And like, as much as we do couch these things in like, well, there's systems in place that are holding people down then, and like, maybe, but these days mm-hmm. that's a bullshit excuse. If you see something, mm-hmm. say something, right? Um, and, you know, I don't think, like, I, did, I haven't done a granular uh, search of Jesse or Andy's Twitter yet, but it's the sort of thing where, yeah, maybe you should say something nowadays. Yeah. Like, we're all, we are all atoning for our sins. Exactly. Um, and, exactly. It's, and it's signs of growth, and, you know, every, everyone should. Mm-hmm. Really. I honestly sure. believe that. For sure. Um, what I will say, though, that revival cast was sensational. I know. It's, it's the frustrating thing about it is they did a really good job. <laughs> getting, to see, getting to see Chisa Rivera perform oh, on the God. stage. I'm sure. Is like a box ticked. Yeah. Also, so yeah, she was 80 and she was doing higher kicks than anyone else on the stage. And of you're course. Just like, you're the best person. Because also, I have to commend her British accent. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Yeah. That is good Cockney. Like, I, it wasn't overplayed. I wondered what you thought about as, as you know, a, a Brit watching Americans do British, how overall... Because we've talked about this before, how sometimes it's uh-huh. really shitty. Yes, Billy Elliot. Um, yeah, some a, a lot of time it's really, really bad. Yeah. Just get Chief Rivera to do it, mate. Very, <laughs> I was really impressed. I was honestly really, really impressed. Um, no, they all, they all. Did. I mean, the thing is, is like I feel like the RP English mm-hmm. is a lot easier to do yeah. than Cockney, just because Cockney's feel of so much nuance. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that's why I was just so impressed with her specifically. Yeah, it's great, great performance. Yeah. So it's good. So yeah. many good performances. Stephanie I do. J. Block. Oh, <laughs> so delightful. Yeah, let's do some Stephanie J. Talk. Um, yeah, exactly. We'll get a sting. I mean, I do think the thing that is just delightful about this show is because it is so body, because it is so indulgent, mm-hmm. you could get these great performers in it and they could do a, a more than halfway decent job at baseline. Mm-hmm. And the the 2012 production is delightful. Like, no one is at their baseline. The It is filled to the brim with subtlety and nuance and that just creates i'm i imagine for a rip roaring night oh it was so fun like yeah just had the best the best time like it was yeah kind of surprisingly so because i remember going in and obviously having only listened to it once. Sure. But I think if you just if you just listen through it, not really understanding the voting side and how that all works. Yeah. It's not the most impressive. You're not like, wow, this music is right. well, and even it. you know, we haven't even gone into the plot of actual Edwin Drood, which is so complicated it's like barely worth talking about. Right, right? exactly, exactly. And a lot of the times, like, although the songs are driving the plot, they're not like plot filled, if that makes sense. Right. Like a lot of it is contained just in the book itself. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's, I think it exists so much in that night. Like, I don't know. It, yeah. it was just such a such a great time. Out of interest, do you know um, Jim Norton? Who, he plays the um, the mayor. Um, German. Not offhand, no. Who is he? So he is like, it was so funny because I remember watching it and just being like, I know exactly 
who you are, <laughs> who are you? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Watch it, watch it, watch it. So he, um, for the Brits listening, mm-hmm. um, played uh, Bishop Brennan in a sitcom over here called Father Ted. Oh, um, I know Father Ted. Okay. Oh, do you? Yeah, ju- uh, just as a, a cultural touchstone, not deeply. Right, okay. I mean, definitely get it watched because it's seminal comedy. Like, uh-huh. absolutely. Um, particularly with a Catholic upbringing. <laughs> you'll, you'll <laughs> yes, have yes. Many things to think about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he plays this, this and I was like, oh my gosh. And he's a very, very good actor. Like, and has done quite a lot of other mm-hmm. stuff in the, certainly British theatre, British TV. Um, but yeah, just even down to that, I was like, that is crazy that you're there. And then so is Will Chase. Mm-hmm. And so is definitely, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's just a. Uh, medley just a, a an all-star vegetable cast. medley yeah um of joy yeah. yeah and i feel very uh lucky that i got to see it yeah it does sound delightful when it is even you know re-listening it to it a bunch recently this mm. thing we've described as being like very fluffy and very inconsequential in its conceit but i was mm. it was just i i was making my way through it maybe for the last time last night um and so much of this show is witty wordplay and not much more. But listening to Writing on the Wall for the last time, um, like there's a beautiful part, and Stephanie J. Block delivers it wonderfully. Like, if you hear my voice, then you're alive. What a bloody mm-hmm. marvel we survive when you think of every risk we face in our mad human race. Is like one, of, I'm finding more of these lyrics and the things I enjoy that like two years ago would be like, huh. What a what a uh, fluffy uh, idiom uh, about the, how happy life is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And nowadays I'm like, yeah, wow, it is wild that like we haven't, we're still alive. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly, and especially with Stephanie J. Blocks yep. and Beldy Brogue behind it. Oh you know yeah, I mean? you know what do the kids what do the kids say? Like it hits different now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, that like I think the writing on the wall, the finale version is is a really good like show tune yeah it's really really good and it's even like when the chorus creep in with the ooze and the build up yeah right to that final that final note um just it's so good in in a show that could have just sung off to the races again and it would have been hilarious and appropriate and done right which they do after bows but like they could have just end with like we figured it out a one (laughs) two three off to the right they could have but Uh instead we get this you know wonderful anthem of a march about like how delightful it is to be alive and we've left dickens so far behind yeah yeah, exactly. So that song ain't going anywhere. Hopefully, the racism does in any future productions. Yeah, um, I write to hey, write to Concord Theatricals or whoever is your your uh, local Amdram and say they need to revise their script. You know, get, yeah, exactly. Just just say don't do it. Yeah, just, get get Holmes back on the phone again and be like, hey, oh, okay, well, I think <laughs> we did it. We did the wrong. Time to do the right yeah, now. Exactly. Let's fix it. Exactly. Because um, it's a good show, and it's a show that should be yeah. performed. Yeah, I think. it is. I do find, as as we enter our re-problematizing of everything that's ever been written, you mm. know, what are we canceling, what are we not canceling? Right, right, um, right, right. Like, I do think it is worth it to look in things and be like, what is, uh, you know, don't frame it as what are we canceling, but like, what's salvageable? What can we, you know, what can, yeah, exactly. what can go past this moment um, yeah. alongside all the new stuff we should be making? And for sure. 
exactly I would I would argue that we should be elevating. Right, exactly. I would argue that Drood can let's let's keep it going. Let's find a way to to fix this and still honor what it is. I is it clear? If you hear my voice, then you're alive. What a bloody marvel we survive. When you think of every risk we face in our mad human race, I have read the writing on the wall. Try to live forever and give up never. That was, Jimmy, the mystery of Edwin Drood. Why do they gavel? I never understood. And they don't do it on the recording. I mean... Is that a musical thing? It's British. Yeah, yeah. it's British. Actually, it probably is. Yeah. They wouldn't, they, that's not something you just do. But it could be. That's the that's the thing that's the thing about this musical. I totally it believe it feels very it feel you know like the um the Philistry in Midsummer Night's Dream. I feel mm. like that's something he would do. Yeah. Right? Perhaps. That's a reference. <laughs> um Hey, Philistrates aside. Wanna know what's next? I'm so excited to hear your quiz question. But first let me take a Philistrates aside as I talk no. Um <laughs> Sorry, it was bad. Oh, I see what you were doing. Yeah, there. I shouldn't have pursued that joke. It wasn't. It was a bad bit. That was a, a Shakespeare qu- a joke. A Shakespeare a Shake- joke that you were just making. <laughs> <there. That laughs> thank you, good. thank you. As we dissect this frog, um. <laughs> I'll I'll carry on with the quiz question there, shall I? <laughs> um, okay, so hey, Chance the rapper recently saw inspiration uh, from perhaps one of the most unlikely of places. Uh, and that was one of the songs in this Golden Age musical. What musical is that? Chance the Rapper's from Chicago. And for a while, there was a, a crocodile or an alligator. I always get them confused in one of the mm-hmm. uh, manufactured uh, lakes in one of the parks of Chicago. And informally, the alligator was named Chance the Snapper. Um, That's cute. If you want to get in touch with the show, our Twitter and Instagram is at Jim and Tomic, J-I-M-A-N-D-T-O-M-I-C. Or you can drop us an email uh, at jimandtomic at gmail.com or on our website, jimandtomic.com. And hey, while you're over there, you can uh, have a gander at our Patreon. Uh, if you would like to financially support the show, um, all of our current patrons, we love you. We've had a few more come through the doors recently and uh, we love you deeply and dearly um but hey if you want to just support us in any way reviews over on apple podcasts or wherever you listen are super duper or helpful. T- absolutely tell your friends i jimmy i actually got a, a facebook message from uh, an old college acquaintance who was like oh stumbling through podcasts found your podcast very sweet hi matt thanks for listening i love that isn't that delightful i and- love that a lot that could be you, ladies and gentlemen. That could be you. Well, not you, because you're listening already. Unless you're listening exactly, because yeah. someone told you. 
How does this time? Is it an illusion? Well, in which case, that is you. That's true. Hey, you, thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, specifically you. Thank you for listening. And hey, Tommy, specifically you. Cheers. Cheers, Jimmy. <laughs>